Well, good morning. So glad to see you here this morning. Let's all stand together as we lift our hearts to the King. Forever interceding as the lost become the found. You can never be defeated, for you wear the victor's crown. You are Jesus the Messiah. You're the hope of all the world. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. Every high thing must come down, every stronghold shall be broken, you wear the victor's crown, you overcome, you overcome, every high thing must come down, every stronghold shall be broken, you wear the victor's crown, you overcome, you overcome, every high thing must come down, every stronghold shall be broken you wear the victor's crown you overcome you overcome every high thing must come down every stronghold shall be broken you wear the 
victor's crown. You overcome, you overcome. At the cross, the work was finished. You were buried in the ground. But the grave cannot contain you, for you wear Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of Is he worthy of this? 
Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And is Jesus our Messiah? Hold forever those He loves. He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David's fruit and the Lamb who died to ransom the same from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue. He has made us a kingdom and priest and God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of praise? He is. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? He is. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? He is. Our God is. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you guys for leading us. I'll let you sing over me. Just what a powerful song. Uh, the other night, after we had heard that Monica's dad had passed away, less than 24 hours after Kim's mom had passed away, Michelle turned to me and before we went to bed and she said, I'm so tired of being sad. 12 hours later, we would find out that Ethan and Maggie's little 13-year-old daughter, Lottie, didn't wake up from her sleep that night. I went to spend time with Jeff and Renee. Well, they're up in Kansas now. We didn't get to be with Ethan and Maggie. I'm reminded of the heralds and the loss that they've experienced. Their little baby, Zach, you were sharing about your friend last week lost a little baby. Linda, losing both of your parents in a month. And the list goes on and on. Heaven becomes more real, doesn't it? So close. Just sitting in my office this morning, just thinking I, I'm, 
a wall divides us, thankfully. Jeff's in a different office, but 15 feet separate us, and now it feels like such a huge chasm between what they're experiencing and what we're experiencing. We want to lift each other up in prayer and, and, and thank God that we have hope. You know, that song that we just sang, it reminds us from the book of Revelation that, that, that Jesus is worthy, but truthfully, all 66 books remind us of the same thing. He is worthy of our praise. And God is good no matter what happens. And it is, it's just hard to say things. Paul gave us that great reminder in Romans 8 that there's times in which we don't know how to pray and the Spirit prays for us. Paul told us, told us about his experience with a thorn in the side, and, and he said, my grace is sufficient. Also in Romans chapter 8, we're reminded that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, even death itself. So it's important for us to pray for one another, and I don't want us to uh, overlook anybody, because there's so many of you that are going through hurts right now. And so let's just reach out to the Lord in a time of honest transparency, brokenness, pleading for his comfort to so many that are hurting right now. And friend, if you're hurting right now, would you just stand up? We want to pray over you. Would you just stand up for this prayer? Let's pray together. God, we thank you that we have hope in you not just for eternity but now you give us the hope of a sustaining strength you tell us in your word that in times of great loss and sadness we as followers of christ do grieve but we don't grieve like the rest of the world our grief is always tainted blunted by your great hope. So tell us in Colossians that the great hope is Christ in us. That we have your spirit residing in us, giving us the victory even over things that just completely wipe us out. We have erroneously heard so many times that bad theology that you won't give us more than we can bear. To the contrary, I think of Paul writing to the church at Corinth and saying it was beyond anything that we could bear, so we turned to you. God, so many in our fellowship are facing adversity, all different kinds. Today, it's very heavy on our minds, death. Yet we're reminded in your word from 1 Corinthians 15, that great statement about the resurrection. That the sting of death will be overcome by the victory that you have had over death. A name is in every one of our minds right now of someone that we're hurting for. God, thank you that you are there with them. Give us the wisdom to be quiet. To show up and many times just show up and shut up. 
forget the platitudes and all the poor theology or maybe even good theology, but just to be there and to love on one another. Help us to be a loving fellowship in which those who are hurting feel the love. God, forgive me where I've not shown up when I needed to. And so all of these that we have named, especially heavy today, our hearts for Jeff and Renee and Ethan and Maggie, and this week for Kim and Monica, God, may they feel your sufficient grace. And may they feel the sufficiency of their church, reaching out to them and ministering to them. Father, thank you that we have reason to worship you no matter what goes on. And help us now to continue in that process because you indeed are worthy. In your name we pray. Amen. button and then start at the beginning of that slide, okay? Just exit all out and then start at the beginning of that. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my heart to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows each day like heaven my heart overflows the longer I serve him the sweeter he grows let's sing the next song I serve a risen Savior and he lives I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he 
salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I see and he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name sing with just your voices
dear God, thank you for your love, for your sustaining strength and power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children, it is children's time. Come on down and see Raymond. But don't sit down. And put on your walking shoes. Come on down here. We're going to go on a real quick field trip. You guys like field trips? I'm trying to think of which door we should go out on our field trip. We're going to be thinking about what is most important that we have to do tomorrow. Today's Sunday. What's tomorrow? Monday. What's the most important thing we've got to do tomorrow? Let's go find out. You ready? Uh, let's go out this door. Everybody out this door. You ready? Actually, we'll go out that door so we can walk around everybody. Going on a quick field trip about what's most important. Oh, maybe we'll go out this door. Hmm. What's the most important thing that we have to do tomorrow? Go to school. Go to school? Yeah, is that it? Pretty much. Let's come on out here. The adults are just going to have to pretend like they can see. Uh, come on out here. Come on out here. Come on out here. Come on out here. This is a slow-moving field trip. Okay. All right, here we go. You ready? Come on over here, over here, over here. All right, tomorrow's what? Tomorrow's Monday, right? And what's the most important thing we have to do tomorrow? Go to school. How many of you can read? Oh, goodness, that's almost everybody here. So I want you to walk with me over here and see if we can think of the most important thing that we have to do tomorrow. Who would like to read that? Harper, how about you read that for us? And I should get real close to you so everybody inside can hear you on the microphone. Okay, you ready? Here, I'm going to let my microphone right down by you. Ready? Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37-40. Whoa, that was so good. You know why we have this on the wall out here? To remind us of the most important thing we have to do on, on Monday. And Tuesday. And, 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 you guys got it. The most important thing that we can do with our life is to love God with everything that we have and then to love everybody else like we love ourselves. You think we can do that? I know you can. I'm so proud of you guys. Let's pray. But maybe we should go back inside because all those people are starting to fall asleep. They're missing us. So you ready? Let's go back inside. You ready? This is a good field trip, huh? All right. Keep the line moving here, guys. Thank you so much. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us to do this task. In your name we ask. Amen. Good field trip. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah?
I, I think it was a little bit of a letdown, but hey, it was, it was all right. <laughs> all right. Well, tonight we've got our men's steak dinner. Uh, we have over 90 men that are already confirmed to go, uh, to come. I hope you plan on being here. If you're a man, you want to bring your son along, if he's in high school or thereabouts. Uh, and if any of you didn't get the message or the memo or didn't hear any about that, we'd love for you to come. We've got a great plan if we run out of steaks. Every man is going to cut off one bite of his steak, and we'll share it. And if that doesn't work, we're going to call Whataburger. So, but I, I hope, my hope is that we run out of steaks, that we have everybody. Cleve, you said you didn't drive at night, right? You do have a ride now. I was about ready to get you a ride. If anybody needs access to get here, just fill out one of these communication cards. These are great uh, resources. These are great tools. We're going to be talking about your toolbox tonight. Uh, and the reason that we're able to have a steak dinner is in years past, we have paid big dollars to have high-powered speakers to come in. And this year, I'm the speaker. So we have all this money for steak. So isn't that a, that's a much better option, right? You can endure me for 20 minutes. Uh, but anyway, if you want to, if you have any information, need to go, just drop that in the box back there. Some of you are our guests, and maybe this is your first time. And if you're a guy here for the first time, come eat steak with us. You can have my steak. Uh, I, we would love to have you there. Uh, and if you're a, a, a guest and not planning on coming to steak dinner, anyway, just put your name on there if you don't mind and let us know of your presence and your phone number. We will not harass you. We are a low-pressure church probably too low pressure sometimes, but we're just glad that you're here and we won't be in contact with you. Well, let's, let's continue in our series called Mandates, which we're talking about the commands that Jesus has given us. And remember in the Great Commission, Jesus said, I want you to teach all of my followers. When you make disciples, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. We have a great sense that we're supposed to be going, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus, but once they understand who Jesus is and they embrace him as Lord and Savior, it is our responsibility to teach them to obey. Not just teach them the commandments, but teach them to obey, to model for them. And we can't obey if we do not know what those commands are. As we talked last week, sometimes it's like there's this big room that has, has a nameplate on the door that says commands, and we know they're in there, but we don't exactly know what they are. So we're taking some time to look at the commands that Jesus has given us. He's given us about 50. Many of those are tied into the Sermon on the Mount. Again, we talked about this before. Uh, we, we went through the Sermon on the Mount in the year 2019. And so you can go back and access those as archives if you would like on westgatechurch.com. Two categories that help us to, to categorize all of the commands that Jesus has given us. Number one is to love God, just as we saw. The most important thing that we can do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and all the days of the week is to love God with all that we are. So we have love God and love others. You take all the commands that Jesus has given us and they fit into one of those categories. Isn't that nice? It helps us. And as we will discover going through scripture, you find that so many of those are under the category of love others because we demonstrate our love to God, not by showing up for church, but by loving other people. Jesus said, by this you will know People will know that you're my disciple if what? What is it? If you show up for church, if you pray well, if you read your Bible, what did he say? If you love one another. 
And he went on to say, if you love one another as I have loved you. The process for doing this. So then we know, okay, there's the categories, there they are. So how do we do that? And there is a process that Jesus has given us. Jesus said you are to deny yourself, meaning you have to get out of the way. Because everything that he commands us doesn't come natural to us. That's why he commanded us. Do you find in scripture anywhere Jesus commands us to eat dessert? That comes natural, right? What comes natural, there's no command for that. But it doesn't come natural for us to love other people the way that we love ourselves. So we have to get out of the way and we follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, he will lead us in the way that we need to go. Now, today we're talking about that great commandment. And, And last week, if you missed it, we started off by saying Jesus' very first command, if we want access to understanding and having a relationship with him, number one, we must repent of our sins, means that we turn away from the direction that we're going away from God and that we follow after him, repent and be born again. That's the starting point. And then once you've done that, you have the capacity to do what he is about to tell us in what is called the greatest command of all, and that is to love God and to love others, which is on the wall out here. That's why we fly the banner of where relationships matter most, a target. A goal. Do we always succeed at that? No. But we want to be trying as the best that we can. Well, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34, which are the verses kind of uh, ahead of us that help us to understand what happens here, Jesus is about to be confronted for the third time by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees again. The Pharisees had started off the trio of conflict with Jesus in which they were debating with him trying to trick him so that all the people would turn against him and they would have reason to kill him. And two times thus far in this chapter, they have been turned away. The literal word that is used in scripture is that Jesus muzzled them. He had completely silenced them in the first two attempts. And so now the Pharisees, it's kind of interesting how it plays out. The Pharisees were the first to go. They were unsuccessful. Then the Sadducees went and they were unsuccessful. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't care for each other because they had different theological beliefs. And so the Pharisees are kind of excited that the Sadducees had failed like they had. But then the Pharisees brought in their closer. They brought in the very best expert they had. He was the guy that was so familiar with the law that he could tell you anything about the law and the law was somewhat complex interesting enough that we don't even know how many laws we have in the united states did you know that you would think somebody knows that right i mean there's a book somewhere that tells us what all the all the laws are nobody at the highest level of government and below nobody knows how many laws we have you're probably breaking a law right now and you don't even know it back then it felt very familiar felt very similar because there were 613 laws. And the reason for that is that's the number of letters that you would find in the Ten Commandments in the Hebrew. And so they decided that they would develop, understand, look at, make it 613 laws. There were 248 positive laws. These are things that you do, good things to do. And the reason it was 248, because their understanding of the body at that time was there were 248 parts of the body. And those were the positive things. These are the do's. And then there were 365 don'ts. There was a don't for every day of the year. And that ended up being 613 laws. And this expert comes up to Jesus and says, okay, 
tell us what's the number one law. 613. What is it? What's right at the very top? And they knew that Jesus couldn't answer this without contradicting Moses in some way, and all the people would turn against him. And that's where Jesus replied, just as Harper so adequately read out there of what Jesus told him to do. What was he doing? He was reciting the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verses 4 and following. Let me read that, because Jesus is going back to the Old Testament, and he's saying the rules of God haven't changed. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel. That's why it's called the Shema. That's the, the word. Shema means hear. Pay attention. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at your home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What Jesus comes back and says to the people is this. He did, and he didn't miss a beat. That's what I, I think is so interesting. The, the Pharisee asked him this question, and Jesus immediately responds. You know, if, if someone were to ask you, what's the most important thing you're going to do tomorrow on Monday? You might have to think about it. Jesus didn't say, as so many politicians do when they're thinking about their answer, that is a really good question. He didn't say that. He just immediately began to speak. Boom. As he recited the Shema, he was saying, you know what's most important? You recite it twice a day because every faithful Jew would recite that twice a day. They also had the phylacteries in which they would have that scripture on their foreheads. They'd have it wrapped around a little box. They would have it wrapped around their arms. And literally, they would literally put it on their forehead and on their arms and on the doorposts of their house. And what Jesus was saying is this is the contrast to the way that you love. And for us today, it's a contrast in the way that we love. They could recite the Bible, literally recite it, verse after verse after verse after verse, but they completely missed the point. They didn't love God, and they didn't love others. Previously in this chapter, when Jesus is breaking down their debate, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, he said, you are in error, speaking to these groups, the context of where this comes from, or what we just read on the wall out there. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures and you do not know the power of God. And what Jesus is saying to them is, you guys have a lot of book knowledge, but you haven't applied it to your lives. They didn't understand what love is. Do you think we understand love today? Now, we're heading into Valentine's. Guys, just a heads up. That's next Monday. Week from tomorrow, you're wondering what's the most important thing. That, that'd be pretty top of the list there. It's coming up. I noticed on the most recent cover of People magazine that Jennifer Lopez is in love. Now, I thought that might be news to you. And I, I, I shouldn't. I don't mean to make fun. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a celebrity like that when everybody wants to know about your business. 
but I, w- I was just so intrigued by that cover because Jennifer Lopez in love, exclamation point. And then I started thinking, I think I've seen previous covers like that. She was, um, she's back with Ben, but the pandemic started when she was going to marry A-Rod, which people said was finally her soulmate, after she had found her soulmate in Ohani and Chris and Ben before when they were Benifer and Mark and Casper and Drake and Diddy. We have a very confused idea of love, don't we? And people want to celebrate it and to say, finally, she's found it. She's in love with the guy that she was in love a long time ago. We are so confused. I, I, uh, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember this. Uh, well, I know some of you are, are yeah, you remember when this, when this was brand new. But Paul Anka wrote a song in 1960, it was called Puppy Love. Do you remember who he sang it to? It was a mouseketeer, Annette. Yeah, it always sounds like fettuccine, but yeah. To, that's who he sang it to, and it became really popular. And then in 1972, does anybody remember who made it a hit in 1972? Donny Osmond, you sickos. Donny Osmond. <laughs> Would anybody confess to a Donny Osmond poster in their, in their room? Man, he was big. This is almost as good as a hymn, the depth of the love. And they called it puppy love. Oh, I guess they'll never know. How a young heart, how it really feels and why I love her so. And they called it puppy love just because we're we're 17 tell them all it's please tell them it isn't fair to take away my only dream i cry each night my tears for you my tears are all in vain i hope and i'll pray that maybe someday you'll be back you'll be back in my arms, in my arms, once again, you'll be back in my arms, once again. Someone help me, help me, help me, please, is the answer above? How can I, oh, how can I ever tell them, this is not puppy love, this is not puppy love. Someone help me, help me, help me, please, is the answer up above? How can I ever tell them, this is not puppy love, this is not puppy love. Those are the lyrics. <laughs> I, I would have sung it, but it would have taken too long. And, and that's the concept that we have of, of love, and not just romantic love, of just the, the, the idea that it's some sentimentality. Oh, my goodness. I think of how many women I thought I was going to marry. Had they all worked out, I'd have an enormous harem. (laughs) Because I was infatuated with so many. I was infatuated with my wife. 
and that grew into love, but infatuation is this idea that, that somehow this is all going to make me feel better, and, and Jesus said love is completely different. I've got to hurry now. I shouldn't have done the lyrics of that, <laughs> but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on something that we saw at Hot Hearts, and, and less plagiarism is a really big issue now, and lest anybody thinks I plagiarize on that, I found this in notes that I preached years and years ago, but learning from Paul about what real love is, because I want us to see that having an accurate knowledge of God leads to love. And not the kind of knowledge that says, because we say this all the time, we, we have a very inaccurate knowledge of God many times. Like, the God that I know would never do that. The God that I believe in wouldn't be that way. I don't believe in the God of the Old Testament because that doesn't fit into my box. And we look at Paul and we recognize that to truly love someone, to love God, to love others, we must know them. There must be some level of sacrificial investment. And I want us to see a couple of passages of Scripture, and I will read them quickly, and you can reference them. You'll see the, the notes up on the screen. But first of all, to be reminded that Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, that eternal life is to know God. It's not some sentimental feeling. It's not some emotional experience. But eternal life is to know God. And if we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we must accurately know him. Not a concept about him, not what someone has told us about him, but personally know him. And there's a great passage of scripture, several that, that work together in this, and that's Acts chapter 9 it's on the road to Damascus and where Paul, or Saul at that point is going to persecute Christians. And, and on the way, Jesus speaks to him. He blinds him and he cries out and he says to Jesus, do you remember what he said? Do you remember the very first question that he asked him? Who are you? Do you say that to people that you know? No. He didn't have any idea who this was. Who are you? And Jesus identified himself by saying that I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Paul's life would be completely changed because he would come to know Jesus. He would spend over a decade just in private building a relationship with God. And then when he would go to Mars Hill, and many of you have been listening to these podcasts from Mars Hill and just the, the tragedy of things like that happening. He was speaking at Mars Hill and he said to the people there, you worship, you have an inscription for an unknown God. You don't know anything about him. You're just you're trying to cover all your bases, an unknown God. And then Paul went on to say, I will tell you about this unknown God because I know him. And then you turn to Philippians chapter 3. This is where I want us to read for just a moment. Philippians chapter 3, beginning of verse 7, he says, Paul says, for whatever gains have come to me, I now consider them to be loss for the sake of Christ. And listen, what is more, I consider everything a total loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. And Paul said, everything is absolutely nothing to me because I now know who Christ is. I know him 
personally. And for us to experience this concept, this idea, this mandate of loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we must know Him. And that involves desire. Paul was given a desire to love the Lord, a knowledge and sacrifice. Something that is so missing in our culture today is the idea of sacrifice. See, knowing God leads to loving God, but it must be an accurate knowledge of God. And where does that come from? It comes from God's word. See, friends, we should be able to read every word of the Old Testament and say, I love that God because that's the same God in the New Testament. It's called the immutability of God. God doesn't change. In Hebrews chapter 13, God says, Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's not a different God in the Old Testament. And we need to come to learn to know that God in the way that he has expressed himself and the same God in the New Testament, one God, as the Shema would say. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We cannot love God and we cannot love others unless we know God in personal relationship. I think it's so interesting that Jesus couched this by saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we have turned that around, and and baby boomers are some of the worst for changing that whole concept about this idea of love your neighbor as yourself, and and so practice self-care so that you're healthy to love other people. It's not in the Bible. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How do you love yourself? We love ourselves with great intentionality and great practicality. Just curious. How many of you have written a poem to yourself in the last year? Many just sat in the corner and, how many ways do I love you? (laughs) And wrote a poem to yourself. You don't. How do you love yourself? You open up the refrigerator and you get something that you like and you eat it. Love is very intentional and it's very practical. And we need that today. We need it. They needed it then in Jesus' day. They needed it when God gave the Shema, and we need it today. We need to love God, know God. What if we just turn that around? The greatest thing we can do with our God is to love God, to know God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. We live in a very precarious time. Four years ago, England hired for the very first time in the history of the country a minister of loneliness to try to combat the the dynamic of loneliness in their country. Japan did the same thing last year in trying to to address all of the, the, the rise in suicides, especially during the pandemic. A minister of loneliness. But here's the ironic thing is over in England, they're now on their third minister in four years on their third minister of loneliness and they're not even coming close to putting a dent in the problem. They're making no difference and that's why the ministers keep rotating out. We live in a time in which people are lonely and we need to be intersecting with one another. I thought of something, I think it's a great phrase. It's a, it's a tweetable phrase, it's a, but more than that, it's a phrase that we... We need to apply. Think about this. With the idea 
If everybody loves everybody, then nobody isn't loved. If everybody loves everybody, then nobody isn't loved. How do we fill in the gaps? Doing what Jesus said, to love God. And as we love God, we find the resource and the power and the compassion and the desire to intentionally love other people. 45% of Americans say it's hard to make friends. I think that's a bad statistic. I would say about 95% of us say it's hard to make friends. It's not easy. I love Andy Stanley's statement that I've said so many times is meaningful relationships start with awkward conversations. You probably just didn't bump into your spouse at some point and say, hey, I think it'd be a great idea for us to get married. I know some of you do. I've heard your story. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, goodness, I, I wish I had a meter on my pulse when I introduced myself to Michelle for the first time. I mean, I was at stroke level. I mean, I was so scared, and I was so nervous, and I said so many dumb things, it's amazing that she went out with me. But every meaningful relationship starts with awkward conversations, and we get the idea that somehow, well, okay, if it's awkward, I'm not going to do it. Ministry among a congregation experiences awkward moments. Minister in a car with another minister in a time of great grief yesterday. And what did I do? I listened to what I read in Scripture about Job's friends. And I didn't say anything. We just need to practically show up. The average American hasn't made a new friend in five years. And that impacts the church. Because we are acquainted with certain people and they're our connection point and so we don't branch out. How do we do that? By inviting the Spirit of God to reside inside of us. Remember Philippians chapter 2, verse 13? God's at work in us, giving us the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. We're not going to do this, but I, I thought about it early in the week that this would be a really cool experiment. Listen real quietly for a moment. What do you hear? Not much, right? But what's happening in this room right now? If we were all to pull out our phones, some of you are already there, you're ready. But if we were to pull out our phones and go to the internet and download something, this room could be filled with noise. Because it's all here, we're just not connected to it right now. And the power of God is in this room right now. And the question is, are we connected to it? For him to do through us what he desires to do. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that takes desire, knowledge, and sacrifice. I don't want to end without sharing the gospel. Because we cannot love God without first receiving Christ. And know that God loves us and he's created us to have a relationship with him for all of eternity. That's the hope that we have in experiences of death. That's a hope. 
And we will never find that hope on our own without Christ because we are buried in our sins. And only Jesus can make us right with God. But amazingly, all we have to do is humbly repent of our sins and surrender our life to Jesus Christ. And we can be eternally changed and made right with God. So I want to lead us in a prayer in just a moment. And if you've never received Christ, let this be the starting point of an eternal relationship with God that will change you for all of eternity. Thank you all. Love you. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. God, as we stand here, recognizing what your word has commanded us to do, we realize that we have no outs. This is what you called us to do, so we pray that you would empower us to do it magnificently, not just with mediocrity, but God, you would make us individuals and collective as a church, people who masterfully love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We recognize that some friends may be with us right now in this room or listening online have never received you as Lord and Savior. And hopefully they've come to the understanding that they will never be able to love you or others without first surrendering their life to you. So might they voice a prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. God, may that be the desire of every one of us. Fill us with desire, knowledge, and the willingness to sacrifice, to love you completely, and to love others the same. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you feel like God has led you to make some kind of decision, know that there's a sev several ways that you can respond. Uh, I will meet you over at the cross if you'd like to visit with me during this song as we all stand and sing. Or if you want to meet us at the Connection Center after the service, it's on the other side of that wall, big desk, can't miss it. Or you can use this communication card and just jot down. It might be that you're saying, you know, I've received Christ or I want to receive Christ. Would you call me? Let's set up a time together so we can visit. Could be that you want to join this church to say, I want to be a part of this church fellowship. Could be that you're repenting of something in your life and recommitting your life to Christ. Maybe you've never been baptized. And you say, I realize that that's my next step towards obedience with Christ. However God might be leading you to respond, would you do that with me as we stand together and as we sing?
dine in my place, so my soul will live. Hold oh, me like you. Give all I have just to know you. Jesus, there's no one beside you. Forever the hope in my heart. Where is your sting? Your power is as dead as my sin. The cross taught me to live and mercy my heart now to see the day in its trouble shall come I know that your strength is enough the scandal of grace you died in Jesus, there's no one beside you. Forever the hope in my heart. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you back tonight, men.